And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. You go whistler. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Orson Welles stars in the radio prequel to his film noir masterpiece, The Third Man, on the lives of Harry Lyme from 1951. Then it's Jack Benny and all his gang on part one of a comedy episode of the Jack Benny program from 1944. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? What's up, Carl? All right, so what's happening in Hollywood? Well, everybody's talking about a new book that just came out this week. It's not your book. Am I talking about it? Well, no, we're going to, though. All right. Okay, we're going to talk about Amy Schumer's new book. Right. Just came out. Yeah. Right? Trainwreck 2? Not exactly. Okay. The Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo. Oh, okay. It's a memoir. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, it's all true. Uh Uh-huh. And yes, she has a lower back tattoo. That doesn't surprise me. Right. Hey, you know, you never know what's underneath everybody's clothing. Right. This is true. Who knows? I Um, often wonder... I bet. What's mm-hmm. under Amy Schumer's clothing? No. No. Okay. So anyhow, um, basically she bears her soul in this book. Uh-huh. Um, like her comedy, this book is very revealing of her entire life. She shares excerpts from her personal diaries going back to her preteen years, and it's got footnotes based on present day. So her perspectives have changed a little bit. Some of the highlights of the book um, include being a comedian and an introvert, which is what she claims to be, um, being sexually assaulted, um, her harrowing adolescence, her mother's infidelity, her father's multiple sclerosis. So there's a lot of real life issues in here. Um, Man, that's a, a lot going on. A lot going on. It's very candid, very funny, very personal all at the same time. Right. So will probably do very well. She's a very successful person. So. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Carl. All right. It's time now for The Lives of Harry Lyme. Of course, Orson Welles starred in the terrific film The Third Man, and then it was so popular that Harry Allen Towers, a radio executive, wanted to create a radio series around the movie, but since Harry Lyme died in the film, it was like, "Uh what do we do here? So let's create a prequel, and that's exactly what they did. They called the prequel The Lives of Harry Lyme. All of the things happened before he died, in the movie. So let's go back to September 21st, 1951 for Rogue's Holiday. Here's Orson Welles in part one of The Lives of Harry Lyme. Presenting Orson Welles as the third man. The Lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character originally created in the motion picture The Third Man with Zither Music by Anton Karras. That was the shot that killed Harry Lyme. He died in a sewer beneath Vienna. As those of you know who saw the movie The Third Man, yes, that was the end of Harry Lyme. 
But it was not the beginning. No. He had many lives. And I can tell you about all of them. How? Because my name is Harry Lyme. Did I ever tell you about the time when I outwitted three very suspicious Wall Street investors at a net profit to yours truly of 55,000 American dollars? No? Well, I will sometime. Anyway, because of that little caper, I decided that an ocean trip would be good for my nerves and for the nerves of some half-dozen New York detectives. And that's how I happened to go on a holiday. A rogue's holiday, if you will. And now, Orson Welles as Harry Lyme, the third man in Rogue's Holiday. Very pleasant. day I saw out of New York aboard the Queen Anne, bound for Southampton. I was on the passenger list of J. Harrington Lyme. I ate, of course, at the captain's table. Remembering how I put the investments of those three Wall Street brokers in my own personal piggy bank, whenever I was asked... And uh, what business are you in, Mr. Lyme? I would smile to myself and answer, I'm an investment broker, Lady Barbara. It is the Lady Barbara Folliot, isn't it? Yes, of course. I thought we'd met. Aren't you also sitting at the captain's table? Yes, that's right. And I seem to remember that there's an empty chair at the table next to yours. You're, you're not traveling alone. I, uh, oh, it's of no importance. Uh, you are on a holiday, Mr. Lyon? A holiday? After a manner of speaking, yes. I don't understand. I'm so interested in my work, Lady Barbara, that I'm seldom able to keep from mixing pleasure and business. Oh, you seem so young to be engaged in so complex a business. Investment banker. Mm. I always thought all bankers were portly men in their 50s. Well, every banker must be able to inspire confidence in his clients, Lady Barbara. The incompetent banker relies on his appearance and his maturity. And you? I rely on my record of success, ma'am. at all, not while I was on my holiday. Pleasant boat, Queen Anne, scheduled to take six days to Southampton, she was. I had plenty of time. But the question of Lady Barbara Folliot's bank account and the question of the empty chair next to it, the captain's table, preyed a bit on my mind, so I looked at the passenger list. There she was, all right. Lady Barbara Folliot, stateroom A deck, stateroom for two right now. But all it said was, Anne Companion. Hmm. Anne Companion, what did that mean? Not a husband, surely. Looked up the steward for a stateroom. Uh, steward... You're in charge of the staterooms along this corridor, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yes. Now, number six. I believe that's Lady Barbara Folliot's stateroom, isn't it? I believe yes, so. Now, I was wondering, just idle curiosity, you know, on the passenger list, she's down as traveling with a companion. But he doesn't say who the companion might be. You don't, sir. Uh, Stuart. Yes, sir. Here, take this for your trouble. Thank you, Now, sir. then, would you tell me who her companion is? No, sir. Not me, sir. Will that be all? Uh, yeah, just a minute now. Yes, After sir. all, old man, I slipped you a $10 bill just for a bit of information. The lady in question, sir, slipped me a double sawbuck not to give out that information, sir. A double sawbuck? $20, sir. Ah, yes. Well, then, I'll just take this for your trouble. Hmm? Thank you, Now, sir. then, about Lady Barbara's companion. You were planning a little anky-panky, no doubt, sir. Hanky panky. Worried, were you, sir, lest the companion might be the husband of the lady in question? Mm, uh, yes, something like that, yes. Looking for a little shipboard romance, no doubt, sir. <laughs> That's it. Now, who's the companion? You've got clear sailing, sir. The companion's not her husband. Matter of fact, uh, sir. Yes. Take my advice and wait till the companion's got her sea legs, sir. A lot cuter, the companion, than Lady Barbara, sir. Uh -huh. well, thank you, Stuart. Good at all, sir. <laughs> 
So in the next day or so, I found opportunities for squiring Lady Barbara around the boat, cocktails in the evening, a drink or two after dinner, even a game or two of deck tennis in the afternoon. Something she'd said made me prick up my ears and redouble my attentions to her as a prospective, uh, shall I say, client. We were having brandy in the lounge after dinner. Uh, the other day, Mr. Lyon... Yes? You were saying that what you relied on to inspire your clients with confidence... Was my continuing success, yes, that's right. I must say, you you inspire me with confidence. Well, that's half the battle for an investment banker like me. Have you some problem with your own investments? Uh, to be frank, yes, I have, Mr. Lyon. Uh, we must talk of it further tomorrow. Why not now? Uh, thank you, I should like to, but the truth is, I must spend... Ah, your companion. Uh, the reason for the empty chair next to you at the table. Hmm? Yes, I... She hasn't her sea legs yet, hmm? How did you know it was she, not he? Well, it's, it's no matter. You'll probably be meeting her tomorrow. If she takes a liking to you, Mr. Lyme, as I have, then perhaps we can do some business. That is, if you want to. Well, anyway, I can be of service, Lady Barbara. Next morning, I ran into their steward, and he told me that both ladies were out promenading. Some caution, I went looking for them. True, I was on holiday, but still, if I could turn my hand to a piece of business. Besides, I was curious about this mysterious companion whose name was not even carried on the passenger list. Turning a corner on the promenade deck, I nearly bumped into them. Quickly, I ducked back behind a bulkhead as they passed. Ma princesse. So, her companion was a princess. Uh huh. The rest I'd seen that she wore a veil close over her hair and face, but no veil could conceal that beauty, and I'd seen something else that interested me, too. A string of pearls, matched pearls. I maneuvered into position for the next round on the promenade. Uh, Lady Barbara. Oh, oh, good morning, Mr. Lyme. And this is the nice man I've told you about who's been so kind to me. Uh, Mr. Lyme, this is Miss Jones. How do you do, Mr. Lyme? I am pleased to meet you. Miss Jones? Such an ordinary name for such an extraordinary young lady. <laughs> he makes nice speeches, Barbara, just as you said he did. Uh, perhaps you'll permit me to join you? Oh, I'm so sorry. We were just going in, Mr. Lyme, weren't we, Barbara? Well, then at least, Miss uh, uh, Jones, maybe you will join me and Lady Barbara this evening before dinner. Uh, Mr. Lyme insists on the practice of buying me a cocktail before dinner. <laughs> Why, I should like that. Only as to cocktails, the ship's doctor told me that perhaps until I am stronger... I should drink champagne. Perfect. I'll make sure there's a bottle of ice for you, Miss... Miss, uh, Jones. Miss Jones, eh? I was sure that while that name Jones was a phony, the pearls weren't. This was promising to become one of the more profitable holidays I'd spent. That evening, I was in the lounge early, a bucket of iced champagne by my side. Mr. Lyme. As you promised, my wang. Uh, it's vintage, Miss Jones. I think it should be adequate. Uh, no, Lady Barbara? Oh, she was a little indisposed. She sends her regards. Please sit down, Stuart. I confess, Miss Jones, I'm not too sorry Lady Barbara's not joining us tonight. So? I was looking forward so to meeting you. You'd become a lady of mystery. And having met you this morning on the promenade deck, I spent the day looking forward to chatting with you. Oh, evening. more pretty speeches. <laughs> Uh, um, all right, sir? Yes, fine, fine. Oh, uh, fine, thank you. If the wine meets with Miss Jones' approval. Uh, Miss Jones knows little of wines, Mr. Lyon. She is content to leave such matters to you. You have won Lady Barbara's confidence, and that means that you have won mine, too. Then a toast to your improved health, Miss uh, uh, Jones. Now, why do you always pause 
As if you do not remember my name. Oh, my apologies. Very rude of me. I'm awfully sorry. <laughs> I accept you. Oh. What is it? Well, my string of necklaces. It, it broke. Oh, my pearls. Oh, oh here. Pearls. Here, look out. Just, just hold still. You know how many of them there were? Now, don't move. <laughs> yes, yes, there were 64. Just so we can make sure none of them have rolled under... Uh, here. Yeah, here's another. Oh, such a stupid thing. No, I really must have promised Please, please, here. Here's another. Steward. Oh, uh, no, no, it is all right. I think. I think that's all of them. Let me see. Quickly, that's five, ten, fifteen. Uh, yes, uh, Just hang on a second, will you? The lady's string of pearls broke it. Maybe that one or two are still missing oh, somewhere. I, I don't know. I have done such a bit. Oh. Please, uh, such a foolish thing. Fifty-five and five is sixty and one, two, three, four. Yes, that is a whole lot of them. Thank you, Stuart. <laughs> lucky thing, ma'am. Oh, Mr. Lyle, do me a great favor. Anything at all. I say you're sure they're all here. Oh, yes, sure. Take them, will you? You have an envelope, perhaps, or a safe pocket? Take them for me to the little jewelry shop. You know the one right on the stairs. Oh, sure, sure. I know the shop, but... Uh, <sighs> Maybe it's still open. You can have the man restring them properly on a strong new string. Or would you do that? Well, I'm not sure I like the idea, really, of wandering around the ship with a handful of loose pearls. These look like the real thing. Oh, no, no. They will be perfectly safe. Now, won't you... For me, such a little favor. If the shop should still be open, please. Leave you? Oh, I shall sit here quite quietly, just thinking how lucky I am that you were with me when the string broke. Till you return. All right? All right. I'll be back as soon as I can. So there I was, by myself, free as the wind, with 64 pearls in my pocket. Even one of them, one of the bigger ones, would be worth, well, 5,000 pounds. Something like that. Nice sum. My stateroom, I had some loose pearls, paste. I could have made the switch easily enough, had plenty of time. And a stupid thief might have done just that. But not Harry Lyme. Oh, no, no, I played smart. I'd wait till later. Went straight to the ship's jeweler. String broker? If you could do a quick but good repair job, old man, I'd be most careful. Oh, it's easy enough. Just take a moment. Just roll them out here. Hmm, good ones, aren't they? Well, they look it, don't they? Yes. To an expert's eye, they're very handsome indeed. How much would you estimate that string to be worth, old man? <laughs> if you were to just walk into this shop and ask to buy them, do yeah, you mean? Yeah. Or, uh, or if you wanted me to find you another 64 like them? No, just walk in and buy them. 50,000 pounds? Oh, I'd say this string uh, closer to 150,000, sir. Well, I was a pretty rich man there for a few minutes. <laughs> there you are, sir. Yes. That string shouldn't break very Thank quickly. you very much. What do I owe you? Oh, forget it, sir. It's a privilege to be handling those pearls, even if only for a moment. It would have been foolish for me to temper with his fortune while we were still aboard ship. Two days we'd be in Southampton, at which there'd be still plenty of time. The important thing was to get this this lovely girl's confidence, which I most certainly did. And the second thing was to pry under her incognito. Who was she? Which princess of the blood was anxious to conceal her identity under the plebeian name of Jones? And why? Not until the last night, when the ship was gliding into the soft darkness past Plymouth, and the two of us stood under a sickle moon on the boat deck, did I find out. If she looked lovely in that moonlight, her pearls looked even lovelier. Oh, what a wonderfully soft moon now. I hadn't noticed. You had not? Oh, the band has begun playing again. It has? Can't you hear it? What's the matter with you? I need all my five senses for something more important than looking at... Nights are listening to dance band. Oh, no, no, Mr. Lyon. Harry. Oh, no, Harry, you must not. If the night is warm, it's because it must be to afford you a warm mantle. If the band is playing, it's only to provide a setting for your voice. Miss uh, Jones. My name is... Yes? Anne. 
Don't move. What price the warmth of the night or the music of the band? Oh, you... You kiss very expertly, Mr. Mary. Or, or should I say you seem very practiced. If a cat may look at a king... Yes? Then perhaps it's all right. If I kiss a princess... Princess, not your name, if that matters. You are uncanny, Mr. Lack. Harry. And since you have gotten this far and since you have shown yourself trustworthy, I can see no reason for not telling you anymore. I am Anne de Bourbon, Princess of Helwigstein. At your service, ma'am. You have heard of our principality? It is in eastern Germany, beyond the Iron Curtain. I should say it was, it is no more. It's all gone except... Except what? I'm not sure. I will not know until I meet my husband in London. If I meet my husband. If? Well, is there some doubt? I have said too much already, Mr. Lyme. It is too bad. It has been a pleasant evening. I was almost able to forget for a moment. Good night. She was gone. Just like that. At least I knew now who she was. Whether I'd be able to find her again in London, whether I'd frightened her away, and whether my chance at that string of pearls by letting her know that I knew she was a princess, all these things I was a little nervous about. Till next day, just as I was getting ready to disembark in Southampton, Lady Barbara came up to me rather quickly. Uh, Mr. Lyme, here, a note. A note from... Uh, read it, please. After last night, I've been worried for fear I... I might just possibly have said something which, you know, might, might have offended your friend, Miss uh, Jones. Offended her? Oh, read the note. The note paper bore a crest to Colin Matthews, one sheet of heavy paper folded once. There was no salutation. The note said, as you said, a cat may look at a king. It might be interesting and fun to experiment once more with your other statement, the one about a princess. There was no signature. But none was necessary. Do you feel better? Uh, yes, but... She uh, asked me to tell you that we would be stopping at the Carlton. We'll hope to see you there. So she had arranged that we should meet again, after all. But when we met again, away from the dangerous confines of an ocean liner, I proposed to relieve her lovely neck of those lovely pearls. I'm sure I was on a holiday and sentiment was involved, but... These were factors that had to be disregarded. My scheme was foolproof. As it turned out, the scheme wasn't needed. The first time I saw her in the sitting room of her Carlton suite... Mr. Lyme. Oh. <laughs> All right, Harry. Harry, you have already done me one favor. I hate to ask you, I've but... told you I'm at your service, Miss uh, Jones. No, no. Call me, Anne, please. Right. If you want me, Highness, I shall be... At... Oh, no, no. Don't leave, Barbara. Stay with us. You know the favor I have to ask of Harry anyway. Uh, I yes, started ma'am. to say anything short of murder, Anne. Oh, no, no. It's nothing like that. First, listen. On shipboard, you remember, I told you I was to meet my husband. If, you said. Hmm? Yes. If. This is the if. Years ago, Harry... When the Red Army was driving through East Germany, we had to flee. My husband ate what was valuable that we had. Jewels, some gold plate, a pitiful collection, really. But all we had. He hid it himself. He alone knew where was he. <laughs> he trusted in those days no one. Then, a few weeks ago, we planned to get it back. It would cost us a lot, we knew. Bribes, the purchase of a plane, fee for the pilot, more bribes and always more bribes. Klaus had to fly into Helwigstein, don't you see, himself. Mad and dangerous idea. Yes, I think so. But he refused to tell anyone else where his cachet was. He could not trust anyone. 
I went to America to raise some funds that was needed. Mm. Lady Barbara has been good enough to lend us more. But just today, I have learned that even more is needed. More money? Uh, Mr. Lyme, say no quickly if you cannot do me this favor. But I have exhausted all my other resources. If you knew how much it costs to bribe these officials over here. Oh, I bet. How, how much do you need? Oh, you will do it? It's just a loan, mind you. It's a pleasure. Lady Barbara's investment will drain her all we need at the first of the next quarter, and then I can repay you please, with Please, please, how much do you need? Ten thousand American dollars. It is too much? No, I don't think so. No, no, certainly not. And see, for security, oh, for no. security, on your loan or here, you will take this. My pearls. You have already once guarded them when? Oh, please, I... I wouldn't dream of... Yes, I insist. Otherwise, I will not even ask you for the loan of the 10,000 American dollars. Oh, oh well, if you insist. Here, take them. Now, how can we arrange to get the money? Well, I have more than that here in the hotel safe in American dollars, too. Just let me ring the desk. (laughs) A trip downstairs in the lift, elevator to you, back up again to my room and over to hers. I handed her ten bills. She handed me the pearls. We smiled, shook hands on the deal, and I walked out of her room with a fortune in my pocket. That's the first portion of the lives of Harry Lyme. We'll get back to it after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now, let's get back to Rogue's Holiday, starring Orson Welles on the lives of Harry Lyme. Call for a celebration. Pal of mine runs a pub saloon to you in London. I use it as a sort of message sender. I have letters sent me there. My pal knows all the gossip who's in town, who swindled whom, all the news. I need my business, so I, I went straight to him. Harry! I haven't seen you for much. Afternoon, Barney. Give me a whiskey and soda, double whiskey and soda. None of your bar whiskey. There's something good. One for yourself. I'm celebrating. So am I, man. So am I. I'm celebrating your return. <laughs> oh, good. How long have you been in England? Oh, just a little while. Uh, too hot for you in the States, wasn't it? Look, can we have a drink somewhere in private? Yeah, sure. Why not? Follow me. Got onto something good, have you? I'll be leaving London pretty quick, Barney. Let's go to Europe, France. I guess maybe Italy. Well, you've only just got here. I pulled a quick one. They may be looking for me in London sooner than I like to think. Uh huh. What for? Unless it's something you think I should know look, about. Look, Barney. Well, now, aren't they beauties? Uh, real thing, aren't they? I had them priced by a jeweler who said he'd ask 150,000 pounds for them. Oh, that should keep you in cigarettes for a week or two. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad at all. Not half bad. Not, uh, in fact, a quarter better. Let me have a look. Do you mind? Look them over all you want, Barney. I'll fence them in Paris somewhere. This is your last look, old man. Uh huh. Where did you say you got them? Off a German princess. She gave them to me as a security on a loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, German princess, is it? Yes, French-born, I think. French-born, you think? Yes. Name of what? Uh, Anne de Bourbon, Princess of Elvistein. Oh. <laughs> yes, very good. Uh, what's so funny? What's so very funny? <laughs> Anne de Bourbon, Princess de Elvistein. All right, old man. All right, better let me in on the joke. <laughs> I thought these pearls looked funny. Although you said they weren't gem. You're I... crazy. Well, Barney, I had them priced myself. Maybe you had some pearls priced, but not these. Boy, you've been had. The oldest trick in the world. 
Pulled on you, Harry Lyon. Now, you're lying. I don't try to pull your tricks on me, Barney. A joke's a joke, but... Oh, I don't have to. It's been pulled already. Harry, me bucko. I know who Andy Bourbon is. I know who the Princess von Elwigstein is, too. She's a slick little article. Oh, no. But she ain't German. She's not French-born, and I don't think you'll ever find any Elwigstein on no map. She's Doris Jones. Oh. That's who she is. And she was born right here in Clapham. That's where she was born. And she took you and shook you for uh, how much? I gave her 10,000 American dollars. I don't believe you. I'll die. <laughs> the oldest gang in the world that pulled on none other than Harry Lyme himself. I'll die. <laughs> Room 316, please. Harry, when this news gets around, boy. That's right. I'm calling Miss Jones. No, never mind. Oh. Well, do I win me bet? And did you lose your 10,000 American dollars? Yes. All I've got are these... These pearls. Oh, better than nothing, Gary. It's, it's a good imitation. Must be worth 50 pounds. 50 pounds? Well, I'm on my holiday. I come out ahead after all. What? Well, what about your 10,000 American oh, dollars? Until your slick little article from Clapham tries to pass that 10,000, Barney. They're counterfeit... That'll teach Miss uh, Jones to try anything fast with Harry Lyon. Well, it seems that Miss uh, Jones found herself a legitimate prince, one of those exiles in Portugal, and settled down with him in Lisbon. I ran into her at Estoril a couple of seasons later. She was a real princess now. But it seems his highness isn't as young as he was and probably never was, so the princess is very democratic. She asked me to their place for dinner, said she thought I'd be interested in some of the interior decorations. I was. She complimented me on my nice set of pearl studs, which she recognized, and showed me into the cloakroom, which was entirely wallpapered in American $10 bills, or a reasonable facsimile. I recognized them. No hard feelings, you understand. It's a pleasant little caper, and I always enjoy moving about amongst the upper classes. It's so educational. Well, goodbye for now. Don't take any lead nickels. And remember, if you can't manage to resist temptation, be sure you get it appraised. And that's The Lives of Harry Lyme from September 21st, 1951, with Rogue's Holiday, starring Orson Welles. That was syndicated by Harry Allen Towers out of London, as heard on Mutual. He, uh... He started in this series, Lisa, when Orson Welles was living in London. Harry Allen Towers was a very famous London radio producer and said, Hey, Orson Welles is living in London. Let's get him to do some radio shows. So they created this show, and also they created a series called The Black Museum. We play that every once in a while, too. All right, it's time now for uh, probably the most famous, most successful comedian of all of radio, film, and TV, Jack Benny. Let's go back to February 13, 1944. On this show, Jack buys a camel in Cairo. Here's the Jack Benny program. Coming to you from Marchfield Air Base, the Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes program. Here we are broadcasting from the Army Air Base at Marchfield, California. And I know all you boys are anxious to meet the star of our show. So without further ado, we bring you a man who needs no introduction 
and is one of radio's best loved. Hello, Don. Hello, Mary. How are you? Mary, Mary, you butted in just as Don was going to introduce me. Oh, I'm sorry, Jack. That's all right. It's all right. Go ahead, Don. Okay. So, without further ado, we bring you one of radio's best-loved personalities. A man who, for the past 11 years, has brought joy and laughter... Hey, say, Don, you made a mistake. Jackson's been on the air 12 years, not 11. Oh, that's right. Hello, Phil. Hello. Phil, Phil, it was nice of you to correct Don, but you didn't have to do it in the middle of my introduction. Well, I'm sorry, Jackson. You should be. Go ahead, Don. Okay. So, without further ado, we bring you one of radio's best-loved personalities. A man who, for the past 12 years, has brought joy and laughter... Uh, Say, Don, you were right the first time. It is 11 years. Mary, it doesn't make any difference. No, Mary, it's 12 years. Jackson started on the radio in 1932. Phil, it doesn't make any difference. It was 1933. Look, Mary, it doesn't make any difference. It was 1932. Phil, it doesn't make the least bit of... 1933, and that makes it 11 years. Now, wait a minute. Don is trying to introduce me. Anyway, 11 or 12, what's the difference? You haven't shot much crap, have you, Jackson? (laughs) Now, Don, never mind, Phil. Don, will you please finish my introduction? Okay. It's embarrassing. So without further ado, we bring you one of America's best-loved personalities. Hello, Mr. Wilson. Who are you talking about? Dennis, please. Boy, am I sweating this one out. (laughs) Now, go ahead, Don. We bring you a man whose voice has been heard on the radio for the past 12 years. Gee, President Roosevelt. (laughs) Dennis, you... Well, I'll be darned. You see that fellow in the fourth row? A fine way to applaud Roosevelt. Clapping two Wilkie buttons together. (laughs) Look, Don, forget all about my introduction. Everybody keeps interrupting, and if you ask me, I think it's a put-up job. Well, to tell the truth, Jack, it was a put-up job. What? We didn't want Don to read that introduction because we have a surprise for you. A surprise? For me? Yeah. Okay, fellas, all together. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Jack Benny. Happy birthday to you. Well, gee. (laughs) Gee, thanks, fellas. There you are, Jackson, you see? Yeah, tomorrow is my birthday. Gosh, and you you all remembered it. How could we forget? You sold us a birthday card. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, the the ones with the pink ribbons on them, I remember, yeah. Say, that reminds me, Jackson, you owe me some change. I'll, uh, I'll give it to you later, Phil. When, when I, I break, break this $5, $5 bill. bill. Yeah. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. You should open your wallet that wide. <laughs> Never mind, I'll pay you later. Well, anyway, kids, another year, another birthday. You know, it's amazing how many prominent people were born in the month of February. Washington, Longfellow, Lincoln... It's so hard for me to be outstanding. Oh, I can imagine. Of course, I don't want you to think for a minute that I'm comparing myself to a man like Washington. Why not? Washington wore a wig, too. (laughs) 
He did? Say, those Westmore brothers got around, didn't they? <laughs> Just think, Washington, Lincoln, and Benny. What a trio. Gee. I like the Andrews sisters. <laughs> Dennis, I happen to be talking about famous men in history. Washington, the father of our country. And Lincoln, the man who freed the slaves. If you'd ever break that $5 bill, you'd free Lincoln. <laughs> Phil, I told you not to worry. You'll get your change later. But you know, kids, getting back to my birthday, the years come along so fast you can hardly keep track of them. They certainly do. By the way, Jack, how old will you be tomorrow? Uh, what, uh, what was that, Don? You heard him. Oh, oh, oh. Well, go ahead and guess my age. Go ahead, kid, guess. And the one that gets nearest to it gets fired. <laughs> No, go ahead, kids. Go ahead, guess. 32? No. 33? No. 34? No. Are we going in the right direction? <laughs> <laughs> yes, bud, but slow down. <laughs> anyway, kids, there's no use guessing. I'm not going to tell you. My age is my own business. Well, you've been in business a long time. <laughs> That, well, you can't make me mad today. Well, Jack, since you've been such a good sport, the entire cast and the orchestra boys and the writers all chipped in and bought you a, a birthday. A birthday present for me? Yes. Well, I'll be darned. Just what I've always wanted. A can of K-rations. <laughs> Gee, I bet you fellas envy me, huh? Hey, wait a minute. How do you open a can of K-rations? You don't open it. You just pull a pin, count ten, and throw it. <laughs> Well, what do you know? You know, Mr. Benny, I had a birthday about three weeks ago. You did? Well, that's nice, kid. And now... And uh, now, fellas... Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, dear Dennis. Happy birthday. Well, finish it. I forgot the rest of the words. <laughs> oh, Fine. And next week, he's going to try and sing Mersey Dose and Dozy Dose and Little Lamb's Life. <laughs> <laughs> Leave him alone, Mary. And now, fellas, as I started to say, I have a surprise. I have a surprise for you tonight. Since we're celebrating my birthday and you've all gotten into the spirit of the occasion so enthusiastically, I'm going to show my appreciation by giving each and every one of you soldiers sitting in the audience a 36-hour pass. <laughs> yep, yep, that's what I'm going to do Jackson, you're nuts You can't give passes to all these soldiers Well, maybe I did exaggerate a little But the commanding officer here, Colonel Malin Said I could give one soldier in the audience a 36-hour pass That is, if I can find someone who wants it Oh, don't be silly, Jack. They'll all want the pass. Your problem is to give it away without showing any partiality. Yeah, that's right. How can I do it? It wouldn't be right to auction it off, would it? <laughs> or, uh, or maybe it would. Why, Jack Benny, that would be the cheapest thing you ever did. It would not. Why, well, I remember once three years ago in walking... Oh, stop bragging. I know what I'm going to do. I have all the seats in the audience numbered, and later on I'm going to pick a number out of a hat. 
and the soldier holding that lucky number gets the pass. Well, the serial, serial number. Well, congratulations, Jack. You invented a new game, G.I. Bingo. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, anyway, Mary, some soldier's going to get a 36-hour pass that he ordinarily wouldn't get. And to that same lucky winner, I'm going to give a box of Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes. <laughs> Don. Yes, sir. Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes. He'll have one delicious flavor in two distinctive forms for 36 carefree hours. But, Don, he may want to go out with his girl, you know, put his, put his arms around her and kiss her. That's my motto. Eat a good breakfast, do a better job. <laughs> I know, but Don's... And involved. remember, folks, not only is it a tempting-looking dish, but it's not ration. The girl? No, grape nuts, please. <laughs> oh, oh. And not only that, folks... They're Toasty Brown. Toasty Brown, that's for me. Rochester! Rochester, where are you? Pick up the phone! Pick up the phone! Pick up the phone? I didn't hear it ring. Well, I'll be... Excuse me, Don, I'll take it. Hello? Hello, this is Mr. Benny's residence. What? Star, stage, screen, radio, and television if they ever get that stuff. <laughs> if they ever hurry up with that stuff, it's all right. <laughs> Rochester, you didn't have to be nice to me. It was all right. Roger, there's something screwy going on, Rochester. Right now, you're talking to me from Beverly Hills, and a minute ago, I heard your voice here at March Field. Oh, boss, that must be a figment of your imagination. A figment? Yeah, that's something that you think is, and yet it could be, but it ain't. <laughs> what? Well, take my salad, for instance. Never mind that. Well, I guess it must have been my imagination. I'm kind of excited today anyway. Now, Rochester, when I come home tonight... Wait a minute. Rochester, do I hear someone playing the piano in my house? Yeah, that was Joe. Joe who? Joe Figman. <laughs> now, cut that out. Rochester, you're throwing a party. Well, boss, I thought as long as you were out, I'd invite about 30 of my friends over. We're celebrating New Year's. <laughs> New Year's? That was six weeks ago. I know. We're warming up the next one. <laughs> well, look, Rochester, I don't like wild New Year's parties in my house, especially in February. So tell your friends to go home. But, boss, you got the wrong impression about this party. All we had is two bottles of 7-Up. <laughs> two bottles of 7-Up for 30 people? That's impossible. Not when you thin it out with a case of 90-proof Central Avenue tomatoes. <laughs> Fine tomato juice. Well, I'm not going to argue with you any longer. I'll see you when I get home. Oh, Jack, before you hang up, find out if Butterfly's there, will you? Okay. Oh, Rochester's Butterfly there with you? Yeah, she's in the kitchen making sandwiches. Well, Miss Livingston wants to talk to her. I'll call her. Oh, Butterfly? Yes, Uncle Rochester? You want on the telephone, honey? Oh, goody. I was expecting this call. Hello, Jerome. <laughs> Butterfly, this isn't Jerome. Oh, who is it, Satchmo? <laughs> no, it isn't Satchmo, it's Mr. Benny. Miss Livingston wants to talk to you. 
Here you are, Mary. Okay. Uh, Butterfly, this is Miss Livingston. Hello, Miss Livingston. Now, Butterfly, when you told me you were going over to Mr. Benny's house, I didn't know your Uncle Rochester was throwing a party there. Neither did I. Isn't it a pleasant surprise? (laughs) Yes, very pleasant. Oh, Miss Livingston, I hope you won't be mad at me, but I wanted to look nice, so I used your bottle of liquid stockings. Uh, my bottle of liquid stockings? Yes. How much do you have to drink before it goes to your leg? And that's the first portion of the Jack Benny program. This is uh, his birthday program from 1944. A little later, Jack buys a camel in Cairo. We'll hear all about it. Sponsored by Grape Nuts Flakes. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari, Lisa Wolf, and Mike Costello here as well. I want to remind all of our listeners that we have a website for this show. It's Hollywood360radio.com. And tell everyone, Lisa, about our podcast. Yes, our podcast is posted on the Monday after our show at Hollywood360radio.com. So you can check that out on Monday, and you can hear four hours plus a bonus hour. And in addition, on our website to our podcast, you can also see our schedule, which is posted there. And you know what else we have at the website? What? We have a store. Oh. You can click on the store, see thousands and thousands of classic radio shows available on CD and via digital download. And, of course, there's pop-ups of Lisa Wolf. Whenever you're there, you get these annoying pop-ups of you everywhere. Yeah, like life-sized even. Yeah, gigantic yeah. pop-ups. Very Do I gnarly. have a bun in my hair? You have two bulbous heads. It's very scary oh, many, wow. many times when I'm on the website. I'm, I'm scared just I, talking I about I sometimes myself. just start screaming. And then running from yeah. the room. Yeah, I, I could understand that. And I want to also tell our listeners about a new podcast that we've just started for Podcast One. This is a company that is based out of L- uh, L.A., and they have uh, about 200 different podcasts every week. Great company. And they've asked us to produce a podcast for them each week, so we call it Classic Radio Theater. Just go to podcastone.com. And check out the arts section. You'll see us. Click on it. And every week we have a 90-minute podcast playing three classic radio shows. Or you can go to our website for that, which is ClassicRadioClub.com. On our next Hollywood 360 show, it's the conclusion to the Jack Benny program. Then it's Murder by Experts. Don't miss it.